silent screams bounce around my head like an impending storm, brewing into a force that will escape in a wild dance of chaos and be lost forever if I don't stop to write them down. Hi, welcome to Prelude to a Scream, Episode 5, the Not Pod Fair Way episode. Amazing how many times it took me to record that to actually say that right, and I still didn't get it correct that time. It's been a long time since I've actually put out a new uh, episode into this feed. This is the fifth episode of an experimental podcast. Uh, I was planning on putting together a podcast of a collection of my stories, one hand screaming, and thought I would sort of test out... um, the um, the logistics around putting a podcast together. And, of course, it's been many years as I've uh, struggled through trying just to get the fifth episode up. Uh, what I thought I'd do this time is, if there's actually anyone out there listening to this feed, um, actually put a full story in here. And this is a story uh, that does appear in the book One Hand Screaming. The story is called That Old Silk Hat They Found. And the reason I'm using it is it's a story that's been quite popular from the first time that it was published in uh, Strange Wonderland magazine uh, many, many years ago. And it's one that I recently did. I was at EerieCon 11 in Niagara Falls, New York. And uh, during a, a reading that I had done, I'd had, a, I guess, about half an hour to, to read a few different stories. Uh, this was one of the tales that I picked. And I like doing this uh, for a live reading because it's, um, it's, a, it's a darkly humorous story. And I really get um, a good response from the audience. So I thought I would put it out in uh, podcast land and see if there happens to be anyone actually still subscribing to my feed or or listening to these episodes. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'd love to hear what you think of the story. And uh, I'm just curious to see what you think of this um, really um, unprofessional and uh, untimely podcast that uh, takes several years to produce. But what I am hoping to do is get back into the swing of trying to put out some episodes. And uh, practice makes perfect. I thought I would uh, basically try to um, podcast some full stories uh, to get out there and just to get back into the swing of things so I could actually podcast and give away the entire collection uh, of stories for free. Um, other than that, life's been uh, really busy and crazy. Uh, I think one of the biggest problems that I have, and I've mentioned this in the writing show interviews that uh, I've been on with Paula B. of the Writing Show podcast several times, is that one of the challenges about loving my day job, I work as a bookseller, I'm currently the book operations manager at the bookstore at McMaster University, but one of the problems with loving my job so much is I end up putting a lot of time into my job. Uh, Even this morning, I'm on vacation this week. It's the first week of June, um, first week of June 2009, actually. And even though I'm on vacation, uh, it's just about 5 to 9 in the morning. I probably spent about an hour this morning just doing some work. And I know it's going to be that way. There's so many things going on at work uh, that I actually have to take a little bit of time on my vacation just to get caught up. Um, But I'm still enjoying my vacation. Uh, I'm off this week with my son, who's uh, four years old, and we have lots of fun things planned for this week. And um, I hope to get some writing done in the morning. I hope to get some reading and podcast-type things done, as well as other promotional efforts uh, in regards to my writing. I'm actually editing an anthology right now, so this morning I was able to read one of the submissions that came in that's going to be published in the anthology. And um, hopefully it'll be um, 
a fun week. In any case, I want to wrap this up, get the podcast out the door, and again, stop with the old, oh darn, it's not perfect, I guess I can't do it. Uh, that's been one of the reasons why I haven't been able to get a, an episode out in a long time, is I've been struggling for perfection, and I just have to realize it's not going to be perfect. Yatter on, say what you have to say, record it, don't re-record it 16 times, just get it out there. So, without further ado, here is the story. That Old Silk Hat They Found By Mark Leslie A cool wind kisses me. Little by little the sensation rises, becomes more real. The soft light breeze becomes an intense, encompassing cold. But the cold doesn't hurt me. It soothes me. It feels good, comfortable. Relaxed in the darkness, I realize that my eyes are closed. What am I saying? I realize for the first time that I have eyes. I open my eyes to see the world through some sort of charcoal gray lens. But despite the blurry gray haze, I can make out a white landscape and figures moving in the distance. Running and cavorting, their shouts are muffled. I can barely hear them. I can barely see. I can barely hear. But I do have life. It's an incredible feeling, almost overwhelming. I don't really understand who or what I am, but having life feels good. Knowing that I exist and that I can sense and feel is wonderful. I try to move, but I can't. I look down. No! I don't have legs, just this big round mass. I look to my sides. My arms are mere sticks. They flail uselessly in the wind. Who created me? Who gave me this cruel life? Was it those kids who frolicked so joyfully in the snow? It must have been. They're the only other ones here. Can't they see what a horrid creature they have conjured? Can't they tell what a torture this life is that they have given me? Hey! A deep voice calls to me. Who is it that addresses me? Certainly not the children, for they are still ignoring me. The voice sounds much different, much clearer and closer than the voices of the children. My eyes scan the landscape. Hey you, newcomer! Finally my eyes spot the owner of the voice. He is one like me, off to my left. I can tell he is like me because instead of legs and feet, his bottom is a large white mass of snow. He is built like three large balls stacked one upon another. There is a scarf wrapped around his neck. He has dark lumps for eyes, a carrot nose two sticks like mine bobbing in the wind, and several tiny stones in a line which form a horridly ironic grin. I try to respond, but I can't make a sound. Don't even try to speak. You can't. They didn't give you a mouth, the other one says. They didn't give me a mouth. Feeble arms, no legs, no mouth. What evil creatures they must be. Why even bother to give me life, then? Welcome to the world, Frosty. Frosty? Is that my name? Did they at least give me a name? I wonder, what is the name of my companion? In case you're wondering, my name's Frosty, too. For the most part, even if they do name us, we're all called Frosty at one time or another. I guess it's supposed to be a funny name for a snowman. But for the sake of personality, you can call me Old Timer. I've been alive for ages now. Can you believe that I'm four weeks old? Jeez, where does the time go? Well, since you're new, I'll give you the lowdown. God, it's so good to be able to talk to someone again. 
Do you know that I've been alone now for almost two whole weeks? Just then, a child runs up to Old Timer. Hey now! Old Timer says, Get your paws off me! But the child laughs and grabs at his nose. Yeah! Old Timer's scream cuts through my head. I can almost feel his pain as the child wrenches the nose free and runs, laughing through the snow. Another child, upset, chases after him, determined to get the carrot back. Old Timer is quiet for a moment. I wonder if he's okay. I wonder if he's still alive. I wonder if they create us just to torture us. Stupid little brat, Old Timer says in a low moan. The anguish is clear in his voice. I'm okay now. It hurts, but not so bad as I imagine it was for Sammy. Sammy? Who's Sammy, I wonder? Sammy was my last companion. He stood not four feet from where you are now. And if you think I'm old, he'd been around from the beginning of time. He was the one who explained to me all about what being a snowman means. Do you want to hear it? Well, since you can't speak, then you can't object, and you're going to have to hear it. If you haven't already guessed, humans created us. We are created merely for their pleasure. From what little I have learned of humans, they do this quite often. They create all kinds of creatures merely to use as they see fit, and to dispose of in a likewise manner. Sammy told me stories of them breeding creatures merely to eat, or to keep as what are called pets. I guess that we're like pets, except, of course, we can't do much more than stand here. At least their other pets have the freedom to roam around. See this yellow stain at the bottom of my right side? It's a little gift from one of their pets, named Spike. But what nerve, eh? What gall to automatically assume ownership of another species to create another being and then to destroy it for their own pleasure? Old-timer is silent again. And it is then that the child who took off after the one with the carrot returns, triumphantly holding the carrot up high. She returns to old-timer and sinks the carrot into his face. He grunts as she does this. Then the girl turns and looks across at me. She frowns, turning her head side to side. She mutters something and walks forward. I've never known such fear, such dread. She's coming at me. I can't do anything about it. Trying desperately to cringe and shrink back, I close my eyes and wish I could at least scream. Her finger sinks into the front of my face. I can feel a painful warmth tearing into me. It becomes a burning sensation, incredibly intense. I feel as if my head is going to explode in a bright burst of white light. A scream, louder than the one old-timer made a few minutes ago, rings in my head. It goes on and on, then old-timer yells, For Pete's sake, cut it out, will you? The screaming is coming from me? I try to stop the noise, and sure enough, it stops. I open my eyes to find the little girl smiling at me. She wasn't hurting me intentionally. She was melting me a mouth. Thank you, I say to her, but she is oblivious. She begins dancing around me and singing, but it makes no sense. She sings about a jolly, happy snowman. Her song confuses me. How the hell can a snowman be jolly? Hey, I say to old-timer. So now you have a mouth. I know it must have hurt like a bugger, but it's good you can talk. Sammy said that it was important for us to be able to talk. Why is that? Because we have a legacy to pass along. We are created and then can do nothing about our existence. But if we can speak, then at least we can pass along stories to each other. So we have an oral tradition to uphold. We pass along speculative tales of what's to come. 
of what's to come. What's he talking about? I have to ask. What happened to Sammy? He was torn apart, tortured, smashed to pieces by a gang of kids. It was horrible watching them do it, listening to his screams. It was, so far, the worst experience I've ever faced. Except, of course, for being completely alone these past two weeks. A muffled yell cuts through old-timer speech. I look to see a group of kids approaching. The girl dancing around me runs in the opposite direction, and as the gang nears I recognize the leader as the one who had originally pulled old-timer's nose off. "'Here it comes,' old-timer says. "'Finally! Our salvation!' "'Our, our salvation? What are you talking about?' The first of the kids arrives, kicking a large chunk of snow from old-timer. A second kid starts throwing punches. A third kid tears into him, ripping away huge chunks. All along, old-timer wails and screams. It's more terrible than he described. There's nothing I can do. I look about and see in the direction the girl ran, a large group of kids coming. Hey, old-timer, I yell. Hang in there. It looks like help is on the way. He moans. Help! No! No! I'm almost free! What the hell are you talking about? Punches and kicks send snow flying in all directions. Old-timer speaks between screams, moans, and grunts. If you think this is a bad way to die... He cuts off for a moment, his voice drowned in an anguished wallow. What? What can be worse? I can barely see him now through the flailing arms and legs. The little girl and her gang are getting closer, yelling something. Will they arrive in time to save my friend? Before he died... Sammy told me about uh, the apocalypse. The apocalypse? Yes, the slowest, most painful death you can imagine when everything melts. They call it spring. Just pray that you're not around. There's a long pause as he fights to summon up his last words. When spring Spring comes. The second gang of kids arrive and quickly chase the others off with a barrage of snowballs and yells. But it's too late. When they clear the area, I can see old-timer. He's nothing now but a pile of snow with a few broken sticks, some stones, and a scarf. He has found his salvation. The kids fuss over the pile of snow and then turn their attention to me, long enough to add old-timer's scarf to my neck. They chat for a bit and then lead me to solitude. Time passes. I can't even cry. My eyes cast fervently across the fields of snow. My fear is that I'll spot some children off in the distance beginning the ritual of building another snowman. I don't think I could even bear to watch. I yearn for the mean kids to return, to smash me down the way they destroyed old-timer. At least it was quick. I'm remembering when the little girl melted me a mouth, and how the burning sensation was the worst I had ever felt. I don't think I can even imagine what it will be like when spring comes, and I slowly melt down to nothing. Now, all I can do is sit here and wait, and wonder if the torture of melting will be much worse than the agony of knowing that spring is inevitable. That old silk cat they found was first published in a Canadian magazine called Strange Wonderland. It was in issue number one, and it appeared in March 
1997. I believe it was published in Vancouver, or at least in British Columbia. It um, was a story that I had a lot of fun with. I I wanted to tell a story from the point of view of a snowman. The concept of Frosty the Snowman was always fascinating to me when I was a child. But I wondered what it would be like for real. Uh, I mean, one of the things that always bothered me, yeah, I know it's fantasy, but, you know, Frosty comes to life. That's fine, he has life, but, I mean, where does suddenly the legs sprout out from? So there's kind of like two levels of magic operating there. So I really wanted to take a look at what might actually happen if a snowman had life. And I wanted to associate spring with the apocalypse. That was an intriguing concept to me. So I wrote the tale with a snowman as sentient narrator. The narrator's voice um, ended up describing what it was like to wake up, find himself as a snowman. I was inspired partly by um, you know the, the Frankenstein monster kind of tale, who didn't ask to be born. And uh, and I wanted to sort of make a statement about the uh, self-imposed god complex of humanity. Um, so I kept up the train of thought. What would it be like to be a snowman? How would a snowman think and feel about its circumstances? What would their life be like? And, and what would an expected lifespan be? Um, what tales would a snowman tell? Culturally and anthropologically speaking, what what sort of parallel legends of Genesis and Armageddon would they pass along to each other? So spring and the cruel humans who selfishly created this life um, were the enemies as the narrator faced his darkest fears. I'm rather fond of this tale. Um, as I'd mentioned in the uh, the pre-story notes, this is one of the more popular tales from from contact that I've had from people who've read my uh, read my fiction and sent me uh, emails, and it's also a popular one uh, for reading. Uh, people tend to uh, to get a good chuckle out of the tales. And uh, and I guess at the end of the day, because I'm a boy who grew up in northern Ontario, of course snowmen are going to feature strongly in my tales. And, well, that wraps it up for this episode, episode 5 of Prelude to a Scream. Again, you're listening to Mark Leslie. If you have any comments, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email, mark at markleslie.ca. You can go to preludetoascream.blogspot.com and leave a comment there. Or check out my regular blog, which actually is posted less, uh, more frequently than um, than once every two or three years. Um, and I'm at marklesley.blogspot.com. Thanks again for listening to Prelude to a Scream, and take care. Once again, you've been listening to Mark Leslie's Prelude to a Scream. This is episode five. Music has been provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And this is released under Creative Commons license, attribution, no derivatives. Basically what this means is so long as you're not using it for commercial purposes, make as many copies as you want and send them to all your friends. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful day. Say goodbye, Alexander. (laughs) 